We'll end the show tonight with a British Columbia-based story. The Department of Fisheries and Oceans has until the end of this month to deliver a big decision on whether or not it will renew the licenses of nearly 80 fish farms across the province. The industry says closing them will mean a heavy economic blow to BC and is not based in science. Opponents say it's a must to protect wild salmon stocks. Now, most most British Columbians, according to uh, one poll, at least appear to agree that it's time for BC's aquaculture industry to transform itself. Uh, This July 2020 Insight poll found that 75% of BC residents said they believe open net salmon pens need to be transitioned at least to land-based pens. Last fall, the Prime Minister's mandate letter to the incoming Federal Fisheries Minister Joyce Murray, who is a Vancouver area MP, reaffirmed the federal plan to transition away from traditional ocean-based salmon farming in BC by 2025. So we're, we're expecting a decision on these license renewals by the end of the month. So time is ticking away. And joining me now with more on this is Stan Probosh. He's a senior scientist at the Watershed Watch Salmon Society. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. So I guess we're down to sort of, uh, we're down to the countdown uh, for this decision, perhaps for listeners who aren't entirely familiar with what's happening. uh, What exactly is the DFO supposed to decide by June the 30th? Right. Um, Well, the big looming decision has to do with open net salmon farms in British Columbia, and the vast majority of the licenses expire at the end of this month. Um, and we're expecting the minister or the uh, federal government to make a decision on that. Are they going to renew the licenses? Um, are they not going to renew some of them? And we're hoping also to have some details around a planned transition of this industry uh, out of British Columbia because this federal government made a commitment to do that by 2025. So the, the issue, because I gather at one point, uh, if I remember correctly, the federal government actually announced that they would not be renewing these licenses, but then the court stepped in. Right. Uh, that, that's, that's partially true. That had to do with a specific area, which is the Discovery Islands. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the minister made a commitment um, and an announcement, actually, uh, almost two years ago that the Discovery Islands salmon farms would be removed um, by the end of this month. Um, but that's, that's not including the other salmon farms. But I'm just suggesting that all, almost all salmon farms across British Columbia are expiring. So the minister has a pretty complicated decision. She has to decide on those Discovery Islands farms because, as you suggested, uh, the court kind of set that decision back. Um, so she has to decide around those. Is she going to renew those or not? Um, and then also the other salmon farms in British Columbia, those farms are, are expiring as well. And this federal government made a commitment in the mandate letter um, from the prime minister uh, to the minister of fisheries that uh, the industry should be transitioned out of BC. And so we're also expecting some sort of details around a plan to remove um, open net salmon farms by 2025, which was the commitment. So, so, so there's just, a lot going on with this with this decision. <laughs> there certainly is. No wonder it's been, uh, you know, it's already, they only have about two weeks to go. So no wonder it's being left uh, right up to the very end, which I, yeah. so, so just from, from your organization's perspective, what should this, this decision look like? Well, you know, there's been a lot of science and the science keeps coming in um, showing that salmon farms 
act as a pathogen amplifier. So they, they take kind of existing pathogens like parasites, viruses, and bacteria that may be already in the marine environment, amplify them because there are so many farmed salmon uh, in a salmon farm, and then expose this, these amplified levels of pathogens to wild salmon that are migrating by, uh, causing them harm. So we expect, based on the science, that the minister should start making concrete decisions um, about removing this industry based on their commitment to do that. I guess over the years, and I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think for the un, the uh, you know the not necessarily people who pay very close attention to this, there's also been DFO studies I gather that show that the risk is benign. So how how do we square that? What, what what's going on here so that listeners understand? Absolutely, and um, so as you're suggesting, there were a number of risk assessments that the federal government um, produced, and that, that's this kind of in-house peer-reviewed science process that they have conducted around nine pathogens. Um, and they concluded that uh, there was minimal risk of these pathogens from salmon farms to wild fish. However, there's been a number of bodies that have criticized DFO and its process and individuals within the department as having a pro-industry bias. Um, there's been a federal inquiry that suggested that um, my involvement in this, these risk assessment processes um, suggests to me that there is a pro-industry bias uh, within this process. So there are problems with their risk assessments. And then one of the other things is uh, some key risk assessments that they did um, were omitted. There wasn't a risk assessment around these Probably the biggest risk around salmon farms is sea lice or salmon lice. Um, one wasn't done for that, but yet they still concluded that there was minimal risk from the industry. So there's some problems with some of the science that DFO is conducting. They also um, essentially ignore a lot of science that's conducted at uh, independent by independent academics at, say, SFU and UBC and other universities. They kind of just stick to their own science, and, and sometimes it feels like they ignore some of the uh, other science that um, suggests that salmon farms are a problem. So just so listeners also understand, this is involves farmed Atlantic salmon. This is open pen and open water, obviously, with uh, wild salmon using the same, same water. I know that sounds like a very simplistic way of explaining it, but that's essentially what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the big problems with these these farms is that there isn't a physical barrier between the farm fish in the ocean and the wild fish that are migrating by. It's just a net. So, you know, viruses, bacteria, parasites can flow between the farm and wild fish, also waste. So that's kind of the big problem. Um, and you can think of some, some other forms of uh, our ag agriculture. Uh, we don't typically raise like something like um, pigs among like wild populations of pigs because there would be all this disease transfer. Same with chickens, right? We don't like farm chickens in and amongst, 
you know, wild birds because there is there could be um, a lot more disease transfer. And even even though we try to separate birds, there still is that transfer. So it, it's a big problem with wild salmon. I'm speaking with Stan, Stan Probosh. He's the senior scientist at the Watershed Watch Salmon Society. We're talking about an anticipate, well, at least a, a decision we're going to see, we expect, before the end of the month from the Department of, Department of Fisheries and Oceans uh, federally on the future of, uh, of salmon farming in British Columbia. I believe there's about 79 uh, different licenses that are up for renewal. Uh, a big decision on the way. When we come back, we'll talk just a bit more about, uh, about transitioning because, if in fact, uh, this is still a big industry in the province of British Columbia. And uh, it also, um, you know, there are jobs at stake money at stake. So I expect we're also expecting to see from the DFO some sort of uh, from remedy as well. So we'll talk about that after this. I'm speaking with Stan Probosh. He's a senior scientist at the Watershed Watch Salmon Society. We're talking about a uh, uh, decision coming up, we believe, from the Department of Fisheries and Oceans. At least it's due by the end of the month. Um, several dozens of salmon farms across British Columbia, uh, their licenses are expiring on June the 30th, and the DFO has to come up with uh, with some sort of uh, decision on whether or not that will be they will be extended or what else might happen. Uh, you've talked in the past, Dan, just about transitioning, because again, this is a big industry in, in, in British Columbia, and one would expect they're going to need some guidance as well, regardless of what this decision is, at least uh, in the short term, because as you mentioned, by 2025, uh, the federal government is committed to to stopping this altogether in the province. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think they do need some guidance. And one of the things that we have heard uh, from some of our colleagues within DFO is that the minister may also set out um, an engagement schedule to consult with stakeholders, First Nations, um, the public on this transition of this industry by 2025. So we're also expecting um, there may be more details to that because the government um, made this promise over two years ago to transition this industry by 2025. And really, we haven't seen any um, on the ground kind of details or schedule um, around how that's going to happen. So we're expecting more details along with this um, decision around the licenses. Yeah, but that, that seems a bit surprising. They would have had two years to do some of this consulting. I mean, again, this is an economic, it has an economic impact, uh, an environmental impact. Um, is, that, is that odd for DFO not to have done this work beforehand? You would have expected them to have this all done by now, you'd think. Yeah, well, well, they actually um, did some consultation already. Um, Terry Beach, uh, he's an MP in British Columbia, a, a liberal MP led some consultation last year. Um, and so we're, we're hearing again that there's going to be more consultation. I'm just saying we, we kind of have to start soon, right? The, the action on the ground um, soon because, you know, time's running out. And not only for their promise, but also for wild salmon because, uh, you know, again, every year um, we see elevated levels of parasites on the farms and wild fish migrating by are infected. And in areas like the Discovery Islands, where some of the farms have been removed based on a previous decision, um, we were just out there uh, a few weeks ago, actually, visiting with some of the people monitoring uh, the wild fish migrating through this area that now really doesn't have any farms in it. 
Um, and the, the, the juvenile wild salmon were clean. You could see there's, there's virtually no parasites on them. And it was really hopeful to see that. What about the, I mean, uh, I gather that uh, the estimates are generates about $1.5 billion for BC's economy. Uh, what, what might a transition look like? I gather that uh, that moving those farms on land appears to be one of the things that uh, that people would support, uh, certainly within British Columbia, as both a way of, uh, of talking about the risk factors that you're discussing, but also um, trying to cushion the economic impact of this. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm not an economics expert. I'm, um, I'm an ecologist. Uh, and I, I do understand that this industry does have an economic contribution to our province, um, but so do, so do wild salmon. And uh, there's a kind of negative economic impact if we're losing that to the industry. So we have to remember that. Um, I, I do understand that uh, the province, uh, the province of, of British Columbia should have a significant role in kind of the this economic transition. Who knows what that might look like? Maybe maybe there's education programs to um, retrain people that work in the industry. Uh, the other thing I do know is that um, sometimes the industry will inflate uh, some of the kind of economic numbers and the job numbers, because this industry uh, through time has become uh, very automated, right? Just like most industries to save money. Um, so the, a lot of components over the years on the farms have been automated and there are fewer people working at the industry than there has been, you know, uh, you know, 10 years ago, say so. Um, but I, I do, I do think it is important to do this transition properly and right. And I, I do think the federal government and the provincial government need to step in with some sort of uh, programs to help, you know, people transition away from this industry. And like you said, one of the options may be to transition this industry to land. I should mention at this point that we did extend an interview and uh, a request to the BC Salmon Farmers Association, and they uh, politely declined to offer their side of the story to, really? to, in, all, in, 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 in all this, uh, awaiting the decision. I think there's a lot of uh, reticence with the decision on the way uh, mm. to talk too, too publicly about it. What what would land salmon farming look like uh, from your, I, I gather you're an ecologist, not a not a, a salmon, uh, salmon fisheries expert, but still, uh, what would it look like in terms of its impact? Um. Well, I do understand that there are um, land-based facilities that are beginning to operate in other parts of the world. Um, there's a large plant being uh, developed and is partially running now that farms Atlantic salmon in Florida. And apparently when it's uh, completed, and um, which will be a, a number of years away, we'll have the same capacity as the entire open uh, net industry in British Columbia. So this farm is going to be huge. Um, so it is possible. Uh, there are concerns around like elevated levels of using energy because you have to circulate the water um, and oxygenate the water. So there may be some added costs there. But then again, the flip side is you're not offshooting all these uh, negative impacts on the marine environment, um, like the waste uh, and all the, the, the impacts to wild fish and the habitat degradation. So 
Um, it can be done and it's being done in other parts of the world. So I, I think we, we can do it here as well. So what, just, just what is the state of the salmon stock? We've talked about it so much over the last few years. What, what is the current situation summer 2022? Yeah, it's, it's pretty complicated because it, you can't just say that across the board, um, wild salmon are a decline. There's so many different populations, um, that are varying, I suppose. Like, for example, uh, we're just starting to hear in Port uh, in Port Alberni uh, that area is starting to see um, sockeye return in in what looks like to be uh, decent numbers. It, it just really depends. It's kind of we're talking about so many different populations, um, but there are many populations in British. Columbia that are in decline, uh, particularly in the Fraser River. Um, and, and those populations have to migrate through, you know, Georgia Strait and the Discovery Islands. You know, I'm essentially talking between Vancouver Island and the mainland. And that's where a lot of these salmon farms are. And it doesn't really help if wild stocks that are already, uh, you know, in decline, um, being exposed to, to more pathogens. And I'm not going to suggest that salmon farms are the only problem that are causing declines in, in wild salmon. There's, there's many different factors, including uh, warming temperatures and habitat degradation. Um, so uh, it's a complicated kind of uh, bag. Um, but I think by removing and transitioning this industry out of the water, that's going to give our wild salmon a chance. I guess we'll certainly find out uh, in thir- within 13 days what the Department of Fisheries and Oceans at least has planned in the short term for all this. Stan Probosh, thank you so much for your time tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me.